The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be back with you in the pulpit this morning. Excited to continue on where we left off last week with our reading from Colossians. Now, perhaps I think the biggest news story this week were those images released by NASA from the new James Webb telescope. Did anyone get a chance to see those this week? The first image released is on the cover of your bulletin, so if you're curious as to what it looks like, I invite you to look there. Now, it's a black and white image, so it doesn't capture all of the magnificence, but what that image is is a very, very zoomed out portion of just one corner of our universe, and each of those dots of light that you see sort of swirling on the page are more than stars, they're entire galaxies, at least that's my understanding of the picture. And so, just a tiny corner of our universe, it's magnificent what that telescope can reveal to us. I've been sitting with those images this week. Now at 927, I had a screen behind me so this could go a little bit better, but it didn't take long for the internet to take these pictures and to do funny things with them. Many memes were created. Memes are where you take an image and you put some words or another picture over it to bring some humorous effect. And right in the middle of that image, the, the one I saw this week that made me laugh the most, there was a sign placed right in the middle of those stars and it said this, coming soon, Dollar General. You know what I mean, right? Dollar General is already on its quest to colonize the stars. I mean, those things are going everywhere, right? They didn't miss a beat. Let's pray. God of the cosmos, we give you thanks for your good creation and its glorious display of your love and power. In the midst of all our anxieties, big and small, near and far, breathe your spirit of peace into us and help us to find our center in you. And now with the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this week we're continuing on in our reading of Colossians, um, picking up right where we left off last week with those words of encouragement that Paul gave to the church at Colossae. So I invite you to flip back to that first reading and we're gonna go through the first five verses again. He, Christ, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In Christ, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible, things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself 
all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Well, talk about a dense section of scripture. I've been scratching my head at Paul writing this to the Colossians all week, trying to get at his intent. What was Paul trying to get at in this passage of scripture? I mean, sure, it's fun every once in a while to get lost in the theological weeds. That was what we did all four years of seminary. But what is Paul really trying to get at? What are these words meaning for the church at Colossae? I think taking a step back and opening up the context of this passage might help us get at Paul's message. So as Pastor Rhodes showed us last week, Paul opens the letter to the church at Colossae with those words of encouragement, and they certainly needed it. Make no mistake, the church at Colossae was probably just a small house church in the middle of a bustling large Roman city. It would have been located where modern-day Turkey is. In the Roman culture, well, um, to say the least, it was highly resistant to Christian faith. In the Roman Empire, you were supposed to adhere to the empire's state religion, a religion which held the emperor, Caesar, was no less than a god. He was called such titles as Lord and Son of God, and if those sound familiar, it's because those are the exact same titles we claim for Christ. Paul himself is writing this particular letter from prison, likely being put there for insisting on those claims of Jesus' lordship. The whole Christian faith was countercultural against the norms and accepted standards of the time. Now, this is all to say that those Colossians were likely feeling some degree of pressure to conform, some degree of fear and anxiety. It's, it's hard for those of us living in a country with religious freedom to imagine, but the Colossians could take nothing for granted. It certainly wasn't easy to follow Christ in the first century. It wasn't even legal. Paul and 11 other of the apostles were martyred for their faith. Early Christians had to go literally underground and hide out in catacombs for hundreds of years to survive. Whatever pressures we may feel like today in our own culture, we are far from ever experiencing anything like that. And so, Paul is unpacking what I have liked to think about this week as a logic of Christ, as an argumentation to, of Christ to a community under extreme pressure. These words were designed to give the Colossians a foundation to hold up to root them in that encouragement that they heard last week. Why can we count on Christ? Here we see the answer. All things, all things were created in Christ. All things exist through Christ and for Christ. And Paul's explicit. Whether those things be rulers or dominions, authorities or thrones, Christ was before all these things, present at creation, and Christ reconciles all these things as well through the power of his cross and resurrection. And so we have this good news, right? When things feel out of control, when things feel beyond our grasp, when it feels like there is no hope, when we get that funny feeling of anxiety that wells up in our chest, these words, they can ground us. They can anchor us. They can center us in the identity of just who Jesus is and the purpose of creation and the mystery of God's glory among us and within us. And the method Paul uses to do this, while it might seem dense to us 2,000 years later, is tried and true. 
he certainly knows the power of returning time and time again to words like these in Colossians. He knows the power of repetition. You see, the first five verses of Colossians that we read today, verses 15 through 20, were likely, scholars think, part of an early Christian hymn or creed, something that was sung or spoken at early Christian worship services preceding even the New Testament, all right? So what Paul is doing is keying up one of the earliest Christian hits to ground those Colossians in the midst of their trials. Much in the same way, we turn to our favorite parts of scripture, our favorite hymns of the faith in times of trouble. This is also one of the reasons why we recite the creed from week to week here in worship, to ground ourselves in just who God is. But I'm getting back ahead of myself here, and so I invite you again to look at that image of the Webb telescope on the front of your bulletin. Every time I've seen this over the past week, I've had three distinct reactions. The first, wow, awestruck, humbled, amazed at God's glory, at God's creative beauty. Second, I start to feel really small really, really quickly. I mean, seeing these images, I'll have to admit that I feel just a bit lost in space. It's hard to feel your significance when you feel so small in the midst of all of this vast, wonderful creation. And third, like I said, as I opened today, it's been a bit relieving and a bit saddening to me that this has been the biggest news story, at least I think, of the week. Relieved because, for once, it's something to celebrate, a magnificent human achievement, right? But also saddening because I realize that more often than not these days, our biggest news stories are those of lament and tragedy. School shootings, right? Political controversies, war, climate change, natural disasters, horrific accidents. I could go on. These days, it often feels like everything is happening all at once and not much of it is going well at all. We live in a world that's become smaller than ever and as a result, I think, more anxious than ever. It's hard to find our place, right, in all of this mess. It's difficult to feel like things are in control. It's a struggle in the face of all of this disorder in our culture and in our world to feel like we can hope to begin to make any sort of change. It's so easy to feel lost in our own world, much less in the scope of this wider universe. Paul continues in the reading. You who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Christ has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard. The good news of this dense section of Colossians, dear siblings, is not only that is, not only is Christ in control, but that Christ always, always, always seeks to reconcile us seeks to buy us back, seeks to heal our brokenness, to help us find our place, to bring us peace in the middle of this out-of-control, anxious world. In Christ, we have a promise, 
and a peace that surpasses all understanding, the promise of Christ at the center of all things, the promise of God within and among us, no matter what may lie ahead. But there is a catch, right? As Paul writes, we have to continue securely and steadfastly in the faith. Before that makes you too nervous, I don't think that Paul means to use these words like a scare tactic, as if you have to do this or else. If you've noticed, Paul has been using the past tense throughout this reading. This means that the work of Christ is already finished, completed. The victory has already been won. The gift has already been given. We have already been reconciled. All of those things are past tense. We can do nothing to change them. As Paul writes in Romans, nothing can separate us, thanks be to God, from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. But all that said, we do, each and every one of us, in each and every moment, we have a choice. A choice of whether or not we are going to live into this gift, to continue on steadfastly, to open our hearts and our minds to the mystery of Christ all around us. If we lose our way, it's not as if we lose our salvation per se, but things do start to feel really frightening really quickly. That anxiety that we feel bubbling up might threaten to overwhelm us. We might miss out on God's love that is always already at work in our world, breathing newness. We might miss out on a love that stretches to the furthest corner on the universe. It's not that things will always go our way. In fact, I can assure you that they won't always go your way. It's not that you might never feel anxious or frightened again. You certainly will. It's not that you may never even doubt again. All of these things happen. They're natural. But it's in the middle of all of that. It's in the midst of all of those moments that we might find and keep our center grounded and rooted in Christ when we remember that he has first place in everything. We have a hope that lies at the foundation, the core of the universe, behind the scenes, in all things, Christ is present. Paul closes this section of Colossians in this way. He writes this, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is the church. I became a minister according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul's closing, for me at least, begs a question. What does it mean to make the word of God fully known? What does that mean, especially when the word of God as we know it today, scripture, hasn't been fully written yet? I mean, think about it. Paul is literally writing this letter right now, which will eventually become part of the Bible. The Bible is not a finished product yet. What does it mean to make the word of God known when we don't have that completed product? Well, there's something that gets lost in translation 
in, from the original language of Greek into English. And funnily enough, it's the word, word, make the word of God known. That word in Greek is logos. It can mean word to be sure, but it can also mean something much deeper, like an idea or a reason or a logic or a pattern, Log, logos, logic. What Paul is trying to get at in this reading, I think, what he's been trying to get at all along is that Christ reveals the very logic, the very pattern of God. A God who holds all things together, a God who created as those images we keep seeing show us out of sheer delight. A God who, and this is the greatest mystery of all, is somehow within us. This is part of the mystery of baptism that we celebrate and remember. If you're looking to find God in this vast universe, if you're looking to find where you belong in your place, you have no further than to look within. God is already with you. You have no further than to look to your left and to your right, to your front and your back, and see God present and working in your neighbors. God makes God's home within and among us. And God's pattern, God's logic from before the beginning of time and throughout the ages is a love without limits. It's a love that creates and redeems and sustains all things. It's a love that leads Paul, who's writing this letter in prison, to rejoice in his suffering because it's a work of love for the church. It's a love that gives us that solid foundation that we need to stand on, that we can return to time and time again when we feel all of those pressures and anxieties that we face on a daily basis. And so, dear siblings in Christ, let me end this morning by giving you a simple piece of advice taken from Paul's writing to the Colossians here today. It's how he returns to this early Christian hymn. When you feel all of those things threaten to bubble up and overwhelm you, I want to encourage you, return. Come back time and time again and remind yourself of the pattern of God's love, the pattern that's present in the life of the church, the pattern that's been present in each and every one of our lives. Maybe for you, that's simple storytelling with friends and family. Maybe it's coming back to the written word of scripture. Maybe it's listening and singing along to your favorite hymns or songs of the faith. Maybe that's reciting your favorite prayer like a mantra over and over. Maybe it's making extra time in your busy life to join us in worship week in and week out. You see, the truth is we all need reminders along the way of life. It gets busy, it gets anxious, it gets hectic. And as we come back time and time again to the pattern of God's love, to the hope we find present in the life and work of Christ, let us remember and let us rest firmly rooted in this promise that God holds all things together, that God's love is at the root and core of the universe, and that God reconciles and brings peace to all things. Amen.